But right now, you can go ahead and get your sermon notes out. And I'm going to give you one second to look at the title of my message and be annoyed at me because surely we shouldn't be preaching on pain until at least February. But we're going to be preaching on pain today. So uh, you could be annoyed at me for a second and then I'm going to pray. So you can't be annoyed at me when I'm praying, all right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we come under the authority of the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, that the Word of God has the power to change us, to transform us. And so we pray, Lord God, that you, your Word would do your work to your glory. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. I really like summer, and I really like the beach, but unfortunately, uh, summer and the beach doesn't like me so much. Uh, you might have noticed that the skin is pale and remains consistently pale year-round. Many of you might have wondered, at what point of the year will Haley tan? And uh, the answer is no point. If you see me walking towards you in the car park and you feel to suggest to me to get a tan, can you turn that suggestion into a petition and ask the good Lord why he did not release to me the ability to tan? And that would be really appreciated. But what that has meant is, is that when I go to the beach, when I go on holiday, uh, I have issues. I get sunburned more easily than you could possibly imagine. I have to reapply sunblock approximately every 20 minutes in order to avoid sunblock. I get uh, heat rash. I get uh, sunstroke. I get bitten by insects. They miss out all of my family and find me. I don't know how. And all of that means is that there have been many a Barrett family holiday that have been ruined on account of me. My sister and my dad tell the story of one year they were at Mount Monganui having what they described the greatest swim in their lives. My dad actually said to me that he felt one with nature. And he was having the most amazing swim of his life when all of a sudden they see my mum on the shore waving her hand saying, you have to come in because I had erupted in a rash that must have been equivalent to like the plague, okay? And so they had to leave because, so I've been ruining family holidays since you don't know when. And so now when I go to the beach, I wear what you would, you know, probably say that the clothing equivalent would be a turtleneck. That's essentially what I'm wearing to the beach at this stage. In fact, I wear more to the beach than you probably do to your trip down to Pack and Save Clinton. I, I wear more to the beach than you do to Maricone Mall, I'm telling you. And so I'm on a beach. The sleeves on my togs are so long that they literally reach up to my knuckles. There is a thumb hole, okay, in my togs. And I got these togs and I thought, this is the year. Like, this is the year that I will not be harmed by the beach. And so on Monday, I was lying on the beach and I said to my sister, it's so good to have peace of mind. Like I know that I'm not going to get harmed by the beach this year. And I was feeling so good about life when all of a sudden I arrived home. And when I arrived home, something arose from me. It arose on my forehead. And it wasn't praise and worship to the Lord. <laughs> it was a rash. And so I was like, how, Lord, how? That part of my forehead had literally not seen the sun. When all of a sudden, it decided it needed company, and the same rash arose on my eyebrow. If you look really closely after the surface, you will be able to see it still. It's hidden under a layer of uh, makeup, which is causing me pain. But it was for your benefit, okay, because you needed to know <laughs> that I wasn't contagious, all right? And so what happened? But I tell my mum, I'm like, mum, like, I, this, I was under a hat the whole time. Like, how could I possibly have had a problem? And she said to me, Haley. She literally said this to me. You probably need to build up your beach tolerance. Now, pain tolerance I've heard of. Muscle tolerance I've heard of. But have you ever met a human being 
now you have <laughs> right here. And so what happened was I thought, well, my head's been covered. So obviously, like, it couldn't have been sunburn. The sun couldn't have done this to me. It must have been a, a jellyfish. <laughs> Don't fault my logic, guys. So I was like, it must have been a jellyfish. So I began treating my head as if I'd been stung by a jellyfish. And all that resulted was, was more pain. So I thought, well, okay, it must have been an insect bite. An insect must have cr- climbed into my bucket hat because you've got to realize I'm not doing a cap out here. I'm doing 360-degree coverage, all right? An insect must have climbed into my bucket hat and bitten me. <laughs> so it wasn't that. So finally I Googled and I realized actually it was a heat rash because what a heat rash is, is just so you know, I'm going to set people free this morning. A heat rash actually doesn't have to do with anything with direct sunlight. It's just to do with, with being hot. And so uh, it's a blocked sweat gland, and that's what happened. And so what I did was then I grabbed an ice pack, and when I put the ice pack on, i got to tell you, friends, it was cold because my skin was really hot and it was really cold. But when I put the right sort of pain on it, suddenly the pain began to subside. And you might be wondering, Hayley, why did you tell that long story? And I need to tell you that it was mostly for sympathy. So please feel sorry for me. The connection that I'm about to make to my sermon is loose at best, but I pray that you'll go with it. The reason I told you that story is mainly for sympathy, but also because of the fact that actually there are two types of pain represented in that story. There's the pain of applying the wrong treatment to the rash, which resulted in more pain. And then there was the pain to applying the right treatment to the rash, which ultimately made it go down. And the reason I tell that is because it's important for us to know today that there are both good and bad pain. You know, oftentimes Christians talk about pain. We talk about pain as a tool for growth. It's the way that we become mature and complete. It's the way that we develop character. And all those things are true. C.S. Lewis talked about how pain plants a flag in the human soul, which tells us that not all is well. The reality is, is that very few of us will grow in absence of pain. Most of us need an element of pain to enable us to grow. In fact, I've heard it said that no one changes until the pain of not changing overcomes the pain that it would take to change. Most of us need pain to grow. That's why Paul says in Romans that we are to glory in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Pain is necessary for our character to grow, and all of us have examples of this. We'll all have friends and family members who've come to us and said, hey, listen, I've noticed that you've been saying this, or you've been behaving that way, perhaps that's not a good thing. And when they come to you and say that, it wounds you. It's not fun to hear that. But on the flip side of that, you are stronger. You are more whole. You're a more complete person. That is good pain. The problem is, Not all pain is like that. If we were to be honest in this room today, not all pain in your life, not all suffering in your life has produced for you, has it? Many times suffering results in isolation, in insecurity, in trauma that leaves an imprint on our soul. What does that mean? Does that mean that the word of God isn't true? Or is there another reality? The reality that there is such a thing as good pain, which leads to growth, and bad pain, which leads to death. See, I've spoken to Pastor Alex one day, and he said to me one day, he said, I've read this scripture many times, but when I walk with people, it's not always the reality. And so you and I need to understand that if we lean into good pain, there's growth there. 
But there is such a thing as bad pain, and if we wallow in that, there won't be growth available to us there. So you might be asking, well, Hayley, what is bad pain? Well, bad pain is essentially wasted pain. That's what bad pain is. Good pain, on the other hand, is where God stretches your soul like a muscle. Did you know that muscles need to be torn in order to be rebuilt stronger? And sometimes God will tear your soul like a muscle so that on the flip side of that pain, you will be stronger, more complete, lacking nothing. This is what it says in Isaiah 30 verse 26. The moon will shine like the sun and the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven full days. When the Lord, get this, binds up, excuse me, when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people, get this, and heals the wounds he inflicted. See, sometimes the Lord will tear down aspects of your life which are keeping you bound. He'll tear down unhealthy thought patterns. He'll tear down wrong belief systems. He'll tear down lies in your life that have got you wrapped up and bound. He'll tear down unhealthy behaviors so that on the other side of that, you'll be mature, complete, lacking nothing. That, friends, is good pain. But bad pain is different. Not all suffering is like that. Some pain and suffering is terrible. It's not good at all. It's totally outside God's desire. And although God can bring good out of the experience, the experience itself is horrible. And that, friends, needs to be acknowledged in the house of God. So what is bad pain? Bad pain ultimately is wasted pain. It's pain that you don't grow from. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Suppose you lose your job, you get fired. It's a painful experience, right? You get home and you tell your friends and family, my boss had it in for me from the beginning. He always had it out for me, that man. That man did not like me. Didn't matter that my start time was 7.30 and I only got there at 10 a.m. every morning. The boss had it in for me. He is the reason that I got fired. Can I tell you what sort of pain that is, friend? Come on, somebody. That's bad pain. Because the truth is you'll carry the real issue into your next job and you'll experience the same pain of being fired again. Good pain is if you're able to acknowledge your weakness. Your boss might have had it in for you, but you still needed to come to work on time. If you acknowledge your weakness and change, that leads to growth. That, friend, is good pain. See, bad pain at his heart is this. It comes from repeating old patterns of behavior and avoiding the suffering it would take to change them. Let me phrase it like this. Bad pain is the coping strategies that you use to avoid pain, which ultimately create pain. I'm going to say that one more time. Bad pain is the coping strategies that you use to avoid pain that ultimately end up creating pain. Let me illustrate what I mean. I have a friend who's a physio, so I invite her to dinner so that I can get a free appointment. It works for both of us. And one day she was at my house for dinner and uh, she said, okay, I'll check your back. And she got me to lie on the ground. And without even like laying a hand on me, she said, you have, you have pain in your lower back. And I did. And then she touched it, <laughs> spasm, so painful. Like, what is wrong with my lower back? And she said, oh, actually not much. The problem's actually with your core. There's a weakness in your core, which your lower back is compensating for. And now I've got pain in my lower back even though the weakness is in my core. A coping strategy, friends, 
as a way to avoid pain and weakness, which ultimately ends up causing you and I more pain. The reality is this, all of us, everyone in this room, we all come up with coping strategies to handle fear, to handle relational inabilities, to handle insecurity. But the pain that these coping strategies cause, friend, it's ultimately wasted. It's not strengthening you, hear me, it's keeping you weak. It's keeping you trapped in relational inability. It's keeping you trapped in fear. It's keeping you trapped in insecurity because actually it's just a coping strategy that you are using to avoid pain, which is creating more pain. King Saul did this. You can read his story in 1 Samuel 18. I'm going to read a passage from uh, verses 6 to 9. It says this. It says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. We won't sing it on Sunday. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can we get but the kingdom? That's insecurity. Now look at his response. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. How did Saul respond to his insecurity? He responded with control. A coping strategy which enabled him to avoid feeling the pain of his insecurity. But friend, that control, which is represented in the scriptures, him keeping a close eye on David, ultimately caused him more pain. Saul's story is a story of descent into paranoia. Descent into ultimately trying to kill David. It involves ultimately the relational breakdown between Saul and his son. Actually, Saul dies in this pain. He never overcomes it. And the thing that you need to understand about that is that that pain is wasted because ultimately that coping strategy kept Saul weak. It kept him trapped in the place of his pain. And I want us as a church not to be trapped in our coping strategies in 2021. I don't want us to walk through this year wasting our pain by not growing from it. There's a promise in Scripture that speaks to that. It says that actually your suffering is meant to produce perseverance. And that perseverance was meant to birth character. And that character was meant to produce hope. Have you ever thought about the fact that perhaps your hopelessness is caused by the fact that you are trapped in a coping strategy as opposed to pressing in to the real issues, the real things that would take for you and I to grow. I want to give you some examples of what these coping strategies could manifest as in your life. And um, as I read this list out, I want you to remember in your heart of hearts that I didn't write this. And so uh, if you get angry at me, it's not my work, it's other people's, I'm just reading theirs out. It's a guy called Henry Cloud and John Townsend in the books, How People Grow. If you'd like to know more about this, read the book. It's amazing. But here are some examples. They're Christian psychologists, and here are some examples of uh, bad pain that they describe. Depression that comes from avoiding grief and anxiety that comes from not facing up to the troublesome things in one's soul. I have to tell you that the fundamental shift in my personal growth journey 
was when I became aware that anxiety was a coping mechanism that I was using to avoid dealing with the things that were really in my soul. Here's another one. Pain that comes from repeatedly picking the wrong people to be in relationship with instead of digging into why you're always attracted to the wrong people. Pain that comes from repeating failing patterns in work and performance instead of facing weakness or irresponsibility. Pain that comes from codependent relationships. Pain that comes from desiring things from the past that never come true. Pain that comes from isolation. Pain that comes from addiction. And obviously this is by no means an exhausted list, but I pray today that you're starting to get the point. A lot of our issues and pain comes from us, uh, our own issues, not facing up to our own issues that are repeatedly causing pain. And this, friends, is not good pain. It's not growth pain. Proverbs tells us that as a dog returns to its vomit, so man returns to its folly. And no one is exempt from this message. This is one of those messages that no one has the power to preach to anyone else. We're all preaching this one together because all of us have coping mechanisms that we have repeatedly returned to to avoid dealing with the necessary pain that we need to grow from. This is for all of us. But I want you to know that actually in this moment, this isn't like a down or a depressed moment. I hope that you're not feeling that. Because when I walked across the car park today, I felt like the Lord say to me that there is healing in the house available for those who are willing to let go of their coping mechanisms. For those who are willing to say, I'm not actually about the Christian life just to cope. I'm not about the Christian life just to get by. I'm not just going to make do. Actually, I believe the Word of God when it says that healing and wholeness is available to me. I believe the Word of God when it says abundance is available to me. But friends, you could need to know that that comes on the other side of you letting go of these coping mechanisms that you've been using to cope, that we've all been using to cope. You see, for many of us, actually, the reason that we get trapped in these is because we actually think the coping mechanism is the problem. Go with me on this. Most of the time when I talk to people in our church, when they come to me with a problem, what they come to me with is the coping mechanism. So I have a problem. I'm isolated. Hear my heart today. If you have an issue with isolation, friends, that is not the problem. That's the coping strategy. The real problem is perhaps when you were young, you faced rejection from someone very dear to you, a family member or a friend. And so your soul, in order to try and protect you, has wrapped a ring of isolation around you. Friend, isolation is not the problem. It's just the coping mechanism. And here's the good part. When you begin to dig into rejection and lay hold of the embodied truth that you are accepted and chosen and purposed and what? Listen, you won't even need the coping strategy anymore. So you might come and say, oh, I've got a problem with addiction. Hear my heart today. Too many people have been beating themselves up about being trapped in addiction. Friend, addiction is not the problem. It's the coping mechanism. And it could be a myriad of reasons you use that to cope. You know, perhaps you lost a parent when you were young and you felt unprotected and unsafe. And so to escape those feelings, you fell into addiction. And I came here to tell you that there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Because so many in this congregation have been beating themselves up. Why can't I improve? Why can't I get better? Why can't I get out of this thing? And friends, you need to know today that the coping mechanism 
the why. If you realign yourself with who you are in Christ, friend, you won't need the coping mechanism anymore. Come on, I pray that you're feeling hope in the house today. I pray that you're feeling free. I really pray today that there were people who would be let go of hold of condemnation because you have been beating yourself up about a coping mechanism that was always and only your mind's attempt to save you. And if you drop a little deeper and lay hold of the reality of who you are in Christ, if you're brave enough to let go of the coping strategy, hear me, there is healing available for you. See, sometimes we know that the thing is the coping mechanism, but we struggle to identify what the true pain is. And the reason is, this was revolutionary when I learned this. Pain appears different on the surface to what it really is underneath. Have you noticed that? You can be watching an episode of Friends and suddenly you're crying about Ross and Rachel breaking up. And you're like, well, that's not upsetting at all. And you cry for five minutes and then you realize that actually what you're really upset about is your parents splitting up when you were young. And you started over here. But five minutes later, when you let yourself drop into this emotion, you're like, how on earth did I get here? It's because pain often appears different to, on the surface to what it is underneath. There's so many of us, we cry over Facebook animal videos. Listen, if you're crying over a porcupine on Facebook, then you need to drop into some emotions. Because chances are, if you are having an over-the-top response to something that is trivial, it's because your soul is telling you there are some things that you need to drop into. There are some emotions that you need to push into. So you can start with the porcupine, but as long as it takes you to the real thing that your soul is upset about. Because the reality is, is that pain often appears different on the surface to what it is underneath. You might be hyper-competitive. Come on, somebody, I am. I made a decision very early in my ministry career, career, my ministry, whatever this is, insert word here, that I couldn't play games with church people. Because if I did, they'd stop listening to me preach. They'd be like, that girl has issues. Like, Come on, let's get honest. But hyper-competitiveness on the surface, that's not what it is down low. You're hyper-competitive because the reality is that you can't fail. And you can't fail. Why? I'll be rejected because I feel not enough. So you're out here wounding your friends and family because of hyper-competitiveness when actually that's not the issue at all. And I promise you, the moment you start dealing with what the issue really is, there is freedom and healing there. Let me take a run at one which I think is common in 2021. Busyness. How's your week? Busy. How are you feeling? Tired. What did you do with your week? Oh, so much. I'm such a busy person. I'm so important. <laughs> Busyness is a coping mechanism. And you're wounding your friends and family by being busy. But actually, friend, you need to drop past it to see what it really is. Perhaps you're busy because you have an inability to say no. You have an inability to say no because you don't perceive yourself as important as other people. You drop down a little bit and actually what you find is that you feel innately inferior. And so your busyness covers up your feelings of inferiority. You could keep wounding your friends and family with your busyness. Or you could take a moment to drop past the surface and address the real issue. Friends, this is what it really means to be the image of God. Not to know the image of God, but to embody the truth 
of who you are in Christ. See, good pain was always meant to produce character. The reality is, is that character is the prize of pain. It's the prize of pain. This is what James 1 2 to 4 says. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. Good pain pushes you past your coping mechanisms. It pushes past what they can bear so that we can find out where we need to grow. And it replaces those things with righteousness and character. Let me tell you, if you are in this place and your coping mechanisms are being pushed on, pushed beyond what they can bear, you better get down on your knees and thank God because the reason that's being pushed on is so you can grow so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking any good thing. So the reality is, is that growth pain, it breaks down and stretches the muscles of the soul and replaces it with stronger muscles. The prize is character that is mature, complete, not lacking anything. What that means is a character that don't need no coping strategies anymore, that don't need any coping mechanisms to lean on to prop you up. You've got the rock of Christ in your heart. You don't need any coping mechanisms to prop you up. But what that means is you're going to have to look at some pain. You're going to have to push into some growth pain. Let me give you examples of what growth pain could be. It could be confessing sin. It could be a risking a relational confrontation. It could be facing some pain and trauma from the past. It could be being vulnerable with someone. Get this. It could be being assertive, standing up for yourself with someone. All those things can be painful, but it's good pain because the result is refined character. If Danny would like to join me on the keys. If character is the prize of pain, then connection is the comfort of pain. See, if you're anything like me, when you preach a message like this, it all seems quite hard and cold. Man, is character really worth the pain? And obviously it is, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But the reality is, is that character isn't the only thing that pain wields in our lives. Character is the prize of pain, but connection is the comfort of it. The Lord spoke to me once and he said to me, Haley, comfort is the kiss of pain. Jesus put it like this in the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They will be. It's not a might be situation. This isn't a conditional or an optional thing. Blessed are those who mourn because God's plan for mourners is that you will experience comfort. And that comfort is the kiss of pain. Connection is what happens when you go through a season of pain. See, the truth is, is that uncomforted pain can be horrific and horrible to bear. But comforted pain? a different story. All of us have been to funerals before. We're over the pain in the morning. Suddenly your family was close like it hadn't been before. Why? Because comfort is the kiss of pain. Many of us have had examples of sharing your story that was so hard with someone else, with a brother and sister, and discovered that they had the same journey And you want a friend for life because comfort is the kiss of pain. 
We have examples of confronting someone about something that they did to you and they repented. And on the other side of that confrontation was a stronger, more intimate relationship than you've ever had before. Because comfort is the kiss of pain and pain, my friends, is always an avenue to connection. You confessed something to someone that was tearing you up on the inside and they responded with forgiveness and grace and you felt a love and a freedom like you had never known before. Why? Because comfort is the kiss of pain and pain is always an avenue to connection. But here's the kicker, church. Unshared pain is uncomforted pain. And many in the body are walking around with uncomforted pain because you are holding latent pain in your soul that remains unshared. It is the greatest gift of life to hear someone else's story. And I've said this from this platform before. If you are in this place and you're saying, no, my pain is a burden, my story is a burden, I don't want to burden someone else with that. You had got it wrong because the pain in your heart was always meant to be an on-ramp to connection. And it is the greatest privilege of life to hear the sad, painful story of someone else because that, friends, is when we truly act like the body that we were created to be. In 2021, I pray, that this church is brave enough to not waste their pain, to not get stuck in coping mechanisms and circles, but to instead face the real things that are happening in our soul and take the steps that are going to lead to growth. But I also pray that we wouldn't let that pain go uncomforted by not trusting one another enough to share it. I pray this year our shared pain would be an avenue to connection and that church, we would be family like we have never been family before. I said earlier that I really felt the Lord say to me that there was healing available in the house for those who are willing to let go of coping mechanisms and I'm gonna pray for that. I'm gonna believe the Lord for that. And so in a moment, what I'm going to ask is if you're in this place and you're saying, now is the moment where I want to let go of my coping mechanisms. Perhaps it was one that I named. Perhaps it was one that I didn't. But you're saying, actually, I want to take the brave step to let go of those things because I'm going to believe my God enough to know there's healing on the other side. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I want to say this. Don't raise your hand because a bunch of people in the church are doing this. Because for some people, this is a moment. This is a moment of letting go of the past and laying hold of everything that God created you to be, everything that God created you to possess, and everything that God created you to do. And so if that's you, you're saying, 2021, I'm not going to waste my pain. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to raise your hand. One, two, 
Three, if that's you, raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every brave person in this house who has said, I was created for healing. I was created for wholeness. I was created to be mature, complete, not lacking good, any good thing. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Come like a rushing wind. Blow out any ill thinking. Blow out any wrong belief. Blow out any lies. Right now, in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the lie of rejection. I call you accepted, made right, wanted and chosen. I lay hold of the lie of unprotection that you are not safe. Right now in Jesus' name, I declare God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. I declare to the lie that says that you cannot have good things, that you cannot have good relationships, that you cannot have abundant life right now in the name of Jesus. I stand up in who I am in this church and I declare that that lie is torn down in the name of Jesus. You, friends, are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. I declare over this church in 2021, you are more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. You will step into your fullness and your destiny. And we declare over this church that what the enemy intended for harm, right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. He's turning it around. He's turning it around for good. That test is a testimony. That mess is a message. You're turning it around. I pray in the name of Jesus that this church would be a miracle sign and wonder to this community. And I pray that our resounding testimony would be, Jesus did it. Family rejected me, but God chose me. No one protected me, but God stood in the gap. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I release who you are in Christ to the glory of his name, Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Amen and amen.